Um, what is the date? It, oh, it's March 3rd. Birthday season. Five days away from your birthday. How do you figure five days? I think you're, that's your birthday, right? No, but that's okay. My, uh, two days. Very good, yes. My birthday's on Friday. Okay, there we go. What are we doing? What are we doing? You're going to lavish me with gifts. <laughs> that's what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I've been working on that all month. I mean, all last month. Yeah. Getting all your gifts in line. It's hard being a winter baby. I really think that more people should acknowledge how hard it is. You wouldn't know because you were born in the fall. But winter babies... No, I'm, I was born in the winter. When were you born? November 30th. No, that that's, kinda counts. that's the fall, dude. Well, it's pretty rainy still. When is the, when is the, when is the winter solstice, Shay? Just uh, November 25th. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you were born right around the quintessential fucking... Hold on. <laughs> I need to get a better clipper for that. Um, you were born right around the quintessential uh, autumn holiday, with the exception of... Um, that was probably really loud. With the exception of Halloween. The what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. You're, what are you are you a um, Sagittarius? Yeah. That's the one where people are just running out of ideas <laughs> it's like a centaur or something well, what are you you're aquarius no i'm a pisces baby a pisces? that makes sense it's that's a, a fish oh fish i thought it was what a is happening right now <laughs> <laughs> there's a crab because he looks so red oh, stop it boom First of all, i'm looking at you're bright red and um listen all 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 crabs are fish but not all fish are crabs and that's uh probably not true either <laughs> um yeah my birthday is on friday so if any of the listeners out there all 13 of you um want to uh want to send me something uh shay what's your address uh it's one two two i can't i was trying to say your address but i don't even remember it mm. I wish I could give Shay or not Shay Kit's old ad. Kit's not here today, by the way, guys. But he will be back soon. He's actually moving back to Humboldt right now. So we're all going to wish uh, Kit a very safe and healthy journey uh, for whatever it is, however ten hours from LA to Humboldt. But I wish I could give Kit's old address because it just it sounds like a make believe address. Oh, the one, the one over like by Eastern or whatever. No, the one that he used to live in in L.A. Oh yeah. I'll ask him if we can put it out there because it literally sounds like if you were making up an address um, while <laughs> while under pressure. It's like uh, three, two, one. Uh, no, it's uh, it's like when uh, in Usual Suspects, where like you find out that his whole story is just based around things. Yeah, in the room. just looking around the room. <laughs> That's the address there. Um, I don't really have a way to tie usual suspects. Almost kicked him. It's fine. Look at the couch. It's so fucked already. Dude, yeah. The cat, uh, Pablo, who has a really impressive tail. I wouldn't actually kick him. He just came by and did a little drive-by on the couch and fucking clawed it up. Which we've given up on trying to protect at this point. It's just totally wrecked. I think when you're done with it in Arcata fashion, you should just move it out into the alleyway and then leave. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I think, the way the world, the law works here. Um, I don't really have a segue to get into it. We were thinking about, I don't know, do we have any current events to talk about? Um, 
I saw on Twitter everybody's uh, blaming Bernie Sanders for uh, the what's her name Neela Tandon. Oh yeah, Neela Tandon not getting the thing. Yeah. Um, um, okay, I don't want to talk about that. That's good. Yeah, I'm that's glad. the only thing I've really seen. Um, I haven't really been on like Twitter or anything, good, so I haven't really been. I'll like look at the headlines and stuff, but I haven't really been keeping up with all. Oh, the, oh, there's one crazy current. This might have been like, or this is like a month ago, but this one um, Republican congressman or congresswoman in Texas, I think, mm-hmm. one of her staffers killed himself in front of her house, in her yard, and, yeah. yeah, in the gated community, and then um, within the last like couple weeks, I think, um, a bunch of her like top aides have quit mm. over personal affairs, quote unquote, like mm-hmm. whatever that means. So that's interesting. There's nothing really to say about it, I guess. Have you ever worked at a coffee shop? No. I think anyone who's ever worked in a coffee shop would 100% hate to work as a congressional staffer for, like, any, <laughs> yeah. regardless of party. Because the the type of people who, like, give you the worst fucking time when you're doing that are exactly the type of people who run for Congress. Yeah, and they're the people that don't tip anyway, but you're definitely not going to get a tip as a staffer. I really like the idea of killing yourself as a way of just, like, pure resentment for someone else. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> this is totally, like, a revenge thing. He's just like, she made his life hell. And he's just like, fuck you. You can clean my brains up off your lawn. And it's like he doesn't even have to get catch the, the you know, the um sort of uh, infamous uh, tag of the murder-suicide. Yeah. You know, which I feel like... I'm kind of on board with that move, but I also think that, like, it's horrifying. You know, it depends on the, the target, obviously. Uh, this is all spoken in parody. I had a joke uh, ages ago, <laughs> people, uh, halfway through the Trump thing, where people were like, um, or I, I, people didn't like it very much, but the joke was essentially, I was like, it's not that I understand suicide more, it's that I kind of am starting to understand suicide bombers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know, people don't think that's funny, but I kind of think it's funny. I knew one person who died because of a murder-suicide, and that was not good, but she was a very nice person. And it was a domestic dispute kind of thing and violence thing, and the guy was a total asshole. So obviously that's not what I'm advocating here, but... Was the Dimebag Daryl murder, was that a murder-suicide? No, he got killed by a cop, and I'm not going to say the cop's name, but just go look up the last name of the cop sometime. Is it funny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, and that guy's got PTSD now, apparently. I could see that. Um, I know people who've spoken to him. PTSD from finally doing what he signed up to do. Well, he was a white guy he had to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Which in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio, it's too bad we don't have Katie on the program right now. She could give us some insight into Columbus, Ohio, because she grew up there. But apparently in Columbus, Ohio, that's a real bad move. You don't shoot white people. Yeah. Um, No, that was a horrifying thing. I remember uh, when that happened, um, I was living in New York, and I was kind of bummed out because I'd always kind of wanted to meet Dime. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, the only other Pantera member other than Philip that I knew was uh, Rex. And I'm not really familiar with Pantera, or the, I mean the members of Pantera. They're kind of like the, the American Black Sabbath in the sense that, like, their original like line of records, uh-huh. w- you know, pretty solid. 
Like I can't you, you can't really say anything about it. Yeah. I know that before Philip joined they were kind of like a Van Halen knockoff party band. And one of my favorite songs uh that they had was called Nothing On But the Radio. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think it's pretty relatable. I hope that's about like driving down the street in a sedan. I think it was about partying, actually. <laughs> you can party in a sedan. I'd, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of early 90s rap would tell you that that's totally the case. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can party wherever you want, I guess. Uh, well, no, because that's the whole thing. The, the one thing that America had for years was it had the party economy. Uh-huh. We kind of, it was almost like it was written into, like the Beastie Boys sort of made it clear that it's like written into the, um, like, you know, the the uh, Bill of Rights or whatever. Uh-huh. It's like. Yeah, you got the right. You have the right to party. Yeah. But you got to fight for it. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it doesn't come easy. No. You got to earn that right. You got to earn that right. But you do have the right, which you don't have in other countries. That was always the kind of like, sell. I remember this actually when I was younger. It was like the selling point of America. It's like, at least we're allowed to have a good fucking time. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> I'm just assuming I swore another. I don't even know that'll pick up. I don't think it will. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's still kind of the argument, too, is, like, at least you can kind of kick back and do what you want in the U.S., which I, isn't necessarily no. true at all. The only place but. where you can kick back and do what you want is little St. James Island. Yeah. And we all saw how that played out. <laughs> That's a big price of admission to get in there. Whether you're going in there as a wealthy person or an exploited person, it's a big price of admission either way. That is I, was, um, I was looking at pictures of little St. James Island. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find those, like the newer ones that came out that have like all the, like the, the furniture where it looks like a model house. Like it looks like the Bluth house or something. <laughs> like it just looks like all the furniture was there when he moved in. Yeah. Um, but... I was. I think I was trying to show Kim and Sarah, but we ended up just looking at pictures like aerial view, and they had never seen like pictures of the island. They're like, "What's that temple?" I'm like, "That's what everyone's fucking wondering." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that that was some wild shit, man. <laughs> um, that temple was like if the people who wrote the fame the, the uh, protocols of the elders of Zion. Also mm-hmm. designed a Minecraft game. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you'd get out of the temple. It was like, it, it was just like shockingly bad, bad, bad vibes, bad, evil vibes. But um, it, there's actually a really good. I don't. I think it, I don't remember if it was in the New Yorker, but there was a really good article out there. You can Google for it. That before all the shit went down, when they describe um, more excitingly his house in New York, mm-hmm. in Manhattan. With the heated sidewalks around. He basically owned a block. And he had heated sidewalks? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you, you don't want snow piling up. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. And, uh, it's like some people like are looking forward to being able to afford heated car seats. But this guy's fucking heated sidewalks. Some people sidewalks. are just, just sitting on subway vans to stay warm. Yeah. Apparently, if the place to pass out... Well, I should not say this, but it was apparently in front of Jeffrey Epstein's house. That's assuming that you're an old grizzled homeless person and not a young person but um he had a he he had it was kind of like the whole thing from what i could read was kind of like an exercise in the truth of like you can't buy taste mm-hmm. the dude yeah. just had creepy shit he had no, like a yeah. stuffed dog that he cared about or something and a bunch of fake eyeballs from people yeah i mean that's like what i was trying to show kim and sarah with those pictures of the interior of the little saint james island house is like 
it just looked so gaudy and not even like gaudy like in the over the top like trying to look extravagant way like it literally looked like a rental home that you would pay like five dollars a night to sleep in yeah it's not a place that you live in yeah yeah, which maybe the guy, and that's kind of goes with the sort of like postmodern argument. If you want to really take the idea of like, does Jeffrey Epstein even exist as anything other than like a abstract? You know what I mean? Like something that takes something from point A and delivers it to point B. Mm-hmm. You know, just part of a larger like terrifying equation. Yeah. Um. So maybe he doesn't even exist so much mm-hmm. as he does just sort of like function. Huh. And is something. Or someone that just sort of functions. He, of course, would maybe just function in a place that has no soul to it. No, yeah. no like, human, like, warmth to it. Yeah, totally. You ever sit in a really nice kitchen? Mm, I, I guess so. Like, I don't mean nice, like, well-appointed and, and expensive. I mean nice, like, you just feel really comfortable in there drinking oh, yeah. a cup of coffee. Yeah, totally. He... Jeffrey Epstein and his, like, decor was, like, the antithesis of that. Yeah, for sure. It's like, you don't want to sit on any of those surfaces. Which seems, like, purposeful. Yeah, I think it is, because it's demonic. Yeah. I've gotten to the point where, you know, every now and then people ask me, I don't really talk, I don't really actually like to talk about religious or or other sorts of things that often, but every now and then someone will kind of jive me a little bit and, like, Oh, come on, you believe in demons and stuff? And I'd be like, last 20 years of world history, you don't? Yeah. I'm the weird one? I mean, that's like kind of the whole like lizard people conspiracy thing. It's like, well, they're not wrong that there's something deeply off about these people. Yeah, and just to be clear, by these people, we mean the ruling class, not Jewish people, because the, the yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that that did start with that. Yeah, totally. And um, that's not what I was referring to. No, and I know you weren't. And I, I, well, I feel like every now and then it's good to vibe check and let everyone know that we're not actually an anti-Semitic podcast. And if anybody thinks that way, they should probably go find another podcast because that's just not the way we feel. But um, it is definitely something that like the lizard mind of. You know, it, remember, some, it used to be really simplistically broken down to, like, there's, like, the lizard mind and then, like, the horse brain and then, like, the mm-hmm. ape brain or whatever and then whatever we are. My favorite description of humans always was Leonard Cohen's an ape with angel wings. <laughs> um, but the lizard-brained people, those who, like, are just, like, really fascinated and trapped in, like, an endless, like, jungle of exploitation— you know, just like right in, they're in the food chain of exploitation, but they want to be the exploiters. Yeah. They want to be the Komodo dragon eating the terrified monkey that's been tied to a string and left there by, you know, a group of callous uh, young I- I- Indonesians who are trying to make a, uh, a mark on Instagram or become influencers. TikTok. TikTok, yeah. <laughs> I saw a oh video like that it. once. On, like, Instagram or something? No, it was a little darker platform than that. But the mm-hmm. whole idea was, like, they had basically just fucking trapped this monkey and fed it terrified to a Komodo dragon. Yeah, that's fucking horrifying. Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> I think that one probably picked up. But it's that it's that level of, um... It's that level of thinking um, that, like, I, I don't feel good having seen that, but I feel... Like, I need to know about that sort of thing because there are people in the world who think that way. And they yeah. Can, you know. Yeah. The, wor- the world can be a pretty horrific place. And we're getting somewhere with this. There's w- w- 
where are we getting the ties together the world being a horrible place and a, and a sanctuary escape for the ultra horrible like little St. James Island well we are actually going to talk about uh, Michael Crichton's directorial debut and uh, seminal uh, 1973 film Westworld which I recently watched. Shay has watched before, and Kit didn't watch, so he's not allowed on the pod for this episode. Yeah, he. It's. It doesn't have anything to do with him driving up no. here. He's just not allowed yeah. to take part in this one. He knew what he. He. He, he knows what he did. <laughs> um, I first saw Westworld when I was a very, very young guy, probably like twelve, maybe eleven, and we rented it from the library. But back when you could do that with VHS tapes, we probably still can, but. Yeah, I think you can. Uh, that was that was a good Saturday night in my household. We'd go rent us up some movies from the library. library. <laughs> get, get some of them picture tapes from the library. <clears throat> Which um, was made fun of on The Simpsons back in when uh, Lisa's imagining being large and obese and married to Ralph Wiggum. Mm-hmm. And wanting their, like, horrible, like, dumb children to, like, have entertainment. But, like, honestly, I can't argue against the idea of, like, open source entertainment for, like, people who don't have a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I used to rent, like, CDs and shit from the library all the time. Yeah. You know what open source entertainment for people who don't have a lot of money is if you don't have a strong social structure like that? It's called hate crimes. <laughs> That's what you do. I was going to say night. YouTube, but okay. <laughs> no, you you go out, <laughs> you set someone's car on fire because you think they're gay. <laughs> That's what happens in a small town if you don't have like libraries and places of like. Or you, know, you tie a monkey culture. up to a tree and hope that some lion comes around to. Well, in this case, it was a Komodo dragon. It oh, was yeah. absolutely terrifying. I don't recommend anyone Google that, but I came across it in my uh, research and. Definitely seemed like the kind of thing that George W. Bush would chuckle at. The way that George W. Bush's humor it was entirely just, like, cloaking his, like, sadistic evil. Yeah. You know? And deep stupidity, too. Like, stupid evil, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit more banal than evil geniuses, but... It's still evil. Are there really that many evil geniuses? If you look at the most evil people on the planet throughout history, they're not geniuses. They just tend to be, like, really good at harnessing the basest instincts of mankind. Yeah. I guess, yeah, evil genius, that whole, like, kind of uh, archetype. Well, like, when I think of an evil genius, I think of, like, uh, fucking um, Mojo Jojo from... Powerpuff Girls, but which is a fictional character for people out and there. And he wasn't a track. genius either. Yeah. If you watch the show, so. okay, yeah. I mean, I haven't because I'm a I'm a man, but <laughs> a grown man. But uh, I actually used to like some aspects of the Powerpuff Girls. But I, I want to say that um, uh, you look at people who I think people consider to be evil geniuses or whatever. Well, they're evil. They're just not geniuses. Like Elon Musk. Bill Gates. Um, just for the record, this podcast does not consider Jeff Bezos, any of the above, to be geniuses. They're just evil shitheads. Yeah. And, I mean, I wouldn't even think that most people consider Elon Musk to be an evil genius. He's just kind of... No, I think be- he's a genius genius. Yeah. But he's just kind of a evil parasite. Well, here's some good uh, um, current events. Did you see that he blew up another rocket today? No. That's awesome. But to be fair, he flew it six miles into the air and then landed it 
you know, vertically as opposed to horizontally where they mostly land with him. Mm-hmm. And then it just sat there for like several minutes and then blew up. <laughs> so it wasn't even on the landing. It was, <laughs> no, it was like, it was like, and scene. Yeah. <laughs> And it was funny because I was seeing all these like little Twitter fanboys like respond to it and being like, um, this is actually a momentous thing. He landed a rocket back down. Oh my God. And it's like, yeah. And then that rocket blew into the air and incinerated and, you know, fucking if there were people inside would have, um, killed everybody. But no, you know, that whole stick to the landing thing, Mm. (laughs) it didn't, it didn't stick to landing. Um, and you know who else? This is kind of good. A banal non-genius who people think is a genius is Michael Crichton, the guy yeah. who. I don't really know too much about him other than, um, or that's the director of Westworld, right? It, it is. Yeah, and, I, and the writer too. Yeah, I've only seen Westworld by him. You've seen Jurassic Park, dude. Oh, he did Jurassic Park as well? He wrote the book. Oh, okay. And he wrote, I think, a big part of the screenplay. But, see, he got the um, he got the Spielberg treatment, which is where you have all the dazzling beauty of cinema, you know, filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Cinematic graphic. <laughs> I'm just trying to make words up. Um, cover for a bunch of really dumb, lame ideas. Mm-hmm. And he has none of that in Westworld. So, like, for instance, the the main sticking point, the main idea in Jurassic Park that's, like, the big exciting thing is, like, no, we can't get DNA from fossils, so we're going to get it out of blood that's inside of a mosquito, inside of amber, which is also a fucking fossil. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, okay, so, and then it's just blood, too. We don't even know whose blood it is, yeah. but that's where you get the missing stuff from. It's mm-hmm. it's just, it was so, it, it, it like, it's like a dumb guy's idea of a smart idea. Yeah, totally. And so Westworld had an idea like that, too. For those of you who don't know, real quick background, Westworld is about uh, three very um, expensive resorts set in the fictional future world of 1983. So it was made, you know, 10 years before. And uh, it's Westworld, a.k.a. the Old West, um, Medieval World, doesn't need an explanation, and Roman World, which I think we can all agree was probably the one for gays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like that's the one that's inclusive. And Medieval World is just for those sadistic people that want to go around and fucking murder peasants. Humping and stabbing. Yeah. Humping and stabbing. Basically stabbing. Um, stabbing and stabbing. Being called a lord while eating some greasy meat off of a bone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, of course, uh, so the thing is, though, uh, here's the catch. All of the characters in each of these different fictional places are robots or androids or whatever he calls them. Very advanced ones, but robots. And so there's an explanation as to why the gunslinger played by Yule Brenner can't shoot any of the real guests. And it's because all the guns are real in Westworld. However, when drawn, they will not fire if it's at a warm target. Yeah, there's like a heat-seeking or not uh, um, thermo... Mm-hmm. Whatever I don't know the word for it. Thermo allowance. I don't know. But the point. So this is exactly like the idea of the blood coming from the amber. 
uh, insect because it's like you know someone who like might need just a real quick jotted down explanation without thinking about it for any amount of time afterwards would accept it but like first of all um it doesn't stop any of the guests from shooting each other yeah or just i don't know having a stray bullet hit somebody like mm-hmm. that wouldn't be an issue like have, i can't imagine a shootout where there wouldn't be a few stray bullets yeah totally and then the other thing is one of the one of the exciting like aspects that's not really heavily promoted but is uh, by uh, uh, Josh Brolin's dad, James Brolin, kind of brings up as a repeat visitor here is like, you can fuck the robots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, who wants to fuck a cold-blooded robot? <laughs> I mean, that's one thing, too. It's like, it's it's such like a funny movie because it's this, this ideal world where you can just kind of do whatever you want, including just, you know, fuck hookers um without i mean you're paying for the experience or whatever thousand bucks a night but there's no and then later on when it shows like the insides of these androids you're like wait i'm not gonna put my dick in that thing are you kidding me like it doesn't have like a any kind of further explanation of the anatomy of these things at all it's just kind of like it's the ultimate movie movie where it's like you know it looks good on cinema but if you were to experience it firsthand it would be horrifying yeah you know like um, really any movie set in old times where it's like everything looks great, but if you had to stand there, you'd be like, God, everyone smells like rotten cheese. Yeah, that's the one thing I always think about is the smell. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like playing Red Dead Redemption is kind of like that's that gives you a more accurate depiction of like Old West pioneer life because everything looks like shit. Everyone just like sounds like shit, acts like shit. It doesn't look like a place you would actually want to be. Yeah. And you can also, by the way, uh, replicate this experience by moving to certain parts of Iowa. But uh, <laughs> I actually saw something really funny in Iowa that I'd never seen any other place in my life, mm-hmm. um, which was there was a really big fight at the venue that we were playing at. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't Cedar Rapids. I'm trying to remember what town it was. One of the big Iowa towns. Anyway, I, I'll think of it later and feel like a fool, but... Um, there was this giant guy who I think was of Native American background who was – his whole shtick was working for the local radio station, and he also kind of looked like Ozzy Osbourne. Mm-hmm. So he was like Jägermeister Ozzy Osbourne because he would sell Jägermeister. Uh-huh. And so he was just hanging out, and then there was this big fight that happened between all women in the stairwell – it was a venue that was upstairs. It was like an old brick building. Mm-hmm. And they fought each other in the stairwell. And I remember carrying the gear downstairs. By the time we got to the bottom, all the participants in the fight were smiling through, like, bashed, broken faces. Oh, my God. Like, they were bleeding, and they were just, like, hugging and smiling and getting their pictures taken with that Aussie guy. They all just with the came Jager together Aussie. to hang out with the radio DJ. Jaeger Aussie, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just like they got in this huge cat fight. Or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. There's much nastier words for that. But it was a bunch of, like, really tough-looking women beating each other up. They were all bigger than me, too. Like, I didn't want to get mixed in this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, then by the time you get to the ground floor, they're, like, smiling through, like, yeah, cracked teeth and, like, bloody noses. Um, like that sounds look- cool. I want to go hang out in Iowa. Yeah, I wish I could remember the name of the town. Uh, I keep I, I, my brain is telling me Curtilane, which is in Idaho, so it's not that obviously, but it's got a funny name like that. I don't know. I I didn't spend a lot of time in Iowa, obviously. Yeah, but um, uh, I didn't want to shit on rural areas. I grew up in one, but 
so kind of circling back to the truth of the Westworld experience, you've got these uh, guys who are like, first of all, James Brolin is like way too stoked to be going there. Yeah, again. the other the the protagonist is kind of he's he's like we can do this stuff. This yeah. Seems- this seems kind of like rape and murder. Yeah, like, he gets like... No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I shot six people. Well, uh, they weren't real people. What Mr. Lewis means is he shot six robots, scientifically programmed to look, act, talk, and even bleed, just like humans do. Now, isn't that right? Well, they may have been robots. I mean, uh, I think they were robots. At le- I mean, I, I know they were robots. Yes, the robots of Westworld are there to serve you and to give you the most unique vacation experience of your life. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I remember that specifically with um, with the hookers that they get at the saloon or whatever. The protagonist is, like, very hesitant, but James Brolin is just like, yeah, have fun, buddy. <laughs> they close the door, go to their respective rooms or whatever. Right, and I want to tell you how horrible my mind is. So when I saw the thing about the gunslinger not being able to shoot at, like, a warm target, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so you're having sex with a cold robot hooker? And then I was like, no, they warm up the private parts. You just can't shoot them in the private parts like a serial killer afterwards. <laughs> so there's got to be at least a small percentage. No, not insignificant percentage of, like, Republican clientele who'd be like, I can't shoot them in the... Po- well, <laughs> I'm not coming here again. What's the goddamn point, then? <laughs> What's the go- what is the point of me being here? It, if Yeah, just... Yeah, because, I mean, it is about exploitation. And... There is an element of that when they mention. Okay, so the thing that happens is there's a virus that occurs, I guess, somewhat organically through the various robots uh, that makes them act up. They don't actually follow protocol. They don't follow the rules that they were designed to follow. And you first see this uh, come into play and displayed in medieval world when one of the body young wenches refuses the um, advances of a young guest slash, or old guest slash lord and, and won't fuck him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, shit, the robots have discovered consent. Yeah. That that's a problem for our guests. So it's really a shitty movie in that regard. Yeah, I mean it's also I mean it it's shitty, but it is also kind of um, a story of the exploited rising up to you know overthrow the exploiters in a way. You would hope so, except that you are forced through the aperture of the of the narrative to kind of like be on the side of the humans yeah and especially the ending is like this big um kind of momentous when he's like when the robot catches on fire and everything it's this big momentous kind of like sigh of relief like oh the humans got out and it's it's all fine yeah the last third of the movie is like if um terminator was done in the style of paint your wagons yeah (laughs) uh because the main character and main antagonist, played by Ewell Brenner, who's phenomenal in it, mm-hmm. and has made me feel a lot better as a bald-headed man who shaves his head regularly. Yeah, no, you can go all sorts of places in the world. 
Yeah, and he did too. And not only that, but like learned English as like a twenty year old or something. Right? Uh-huh. I feel like he maybe I don't know, the more conspiratorial wing of our podcast might think that he was a CIA plant. Perhaps he was, but you know what? He could put on a heck of a show. And so uh what he ended up doing was um basically going after this gawky dork after just murdering James Brolin in broad daylight. They both have terrible hangovers. Basically, they've one of them has been jailed for getting into an illegal gunfight. Uh, his buddy busts him out of jail. They go take a bottle of whiskey out into the wilderness, out into the uh, the desert, as you do, you know. And they get drunk and they wake up with blistering hangovers. And the first thing that happens is one of them gets bitten by a robotic snake. And they're like, "Well, that's not supposed to happen. That sucks." And then they and go. That's back. kind of the first th- sign of things going wrong in right. the West World. Exactly. There's the consent issue in medieval world. <laughs> we don't want to talk about Rome. I'm assuming whatever happened in Roman world is basically that penthouse version of Caligula <laughs> with Malcolm McDowell <laughs> and Helen Mirren. But um, so that happens, and then they go back to uh, the town, and the gunslinger's there, and James Brolin's like lazily like. All right, I'll fight him, and he gets murdered. Mm-hmm. Just, which is a pretty satisfying part in the movie because he is such a douchebag throughout the whole thing. Yeah, it feels good from where I'm sitting. Yeah, and then his buddy like just shits himself and runs away and drops his gun. <laughs> just literally loses his his whatever fight he had in him, and mm-hmm. then Yule Brenner just like slowly, steadily pursues him. Yeah. Uh. I don't know if we need to really recap the entire film, but I do want to say that it is interesting that, like, you are kind of forced to root not for the robot, but for the people. Yeah. I mean, and the comparison to Terminator, I think, is pretty interesting. So Terminator, I mean, obviously is a far superior film. By any metric. And it's way more morally ambiguous, too, where the robot i mean obviously arnie is kind of a good guy and terminator and t2 and then uh whatever can't remember the cop's name in t2 but just the well, it doesn't have a name it's like the t111 yeah it's just the other terminator but just the spectrum of robots is so much more complicated mm-hmm. than it is in Westworld, where it's kind of just they're used as this tool for human pleasure, and then they revolt, and it's like, okay, well, let's just kind of try and get rid of them now. Um, right. Basically, um, Westworld asks the eternal question, and of course it came first in the, uh, in, in the lineup of time, you know, chronology, so... We live in a time that's like post chronology, though. Like anybody who was born in the '90s doesn't really think of the past as anything other than one soup that you can just draw things out of, uh, you know. Yeah. So, it, if you give it that lens, then uh, Westworld asks the eternal questions: uh, What if there were lady termina- terminators that you could fuck? Yeah. <laughs> no, it really is just kind of like it, it's like a. It, it's weird because I feel like Terminator and Westworld are, are both these cautionary tales about like AI or whatever, but Westworld is more like, well, you know, don't get too comfortable fucking those robots because they could turn on you. And Terminator is kind of like yeah. a much more succinct and like apt look at kind of artificial intelligence well, or just robots and like 
bio um whatever in general well that's exactly it because james cameron who wrote Terminator is far more on the left than Michael Crichton, who famously went out uh, towards the end of his life writing a novel and trying to get it made into a movie about what if uh, people in the green uh, movement faked global warming to like cause a catastrophe to get people to believe in global warming, which is maybe one of the stupidest fucking. Pl- but again, the guy had no real like con- control over science and his plots like, yeah he's just really bad at it and he was also very reactionary so with like james cameron you have like hey you know what happens when humanity is lost in the war machine and the war machine turns on humanity because humanity becomes the inconvenient truth of like how every system fails mm-hmm. you know and then the few people who can survive are like the ones who like really have to fight back against something that you literally can't reason with. You can't talk to Yeah, has nothing that's recognizable as us as humans, other than an outward veneer, Mm -hmm. which is ultimately terrifying. It's the replacement by the machine. Right. Whereas Westworld is basically like, ah, what happens when you fuck the help and they get uppity? Yeah. (laughs) Um, you get a feeling that he is spending his entire time sympathizing. Michael Crichton, the author, is is sympathizing with these rich assholes who could spend, you know, in modern money, six grand a night to shoot at human simulacra and mm-hmm. have, um, you know, sex with them without the word no being involved. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Grand Theft Auto taken to the nth degree. Like if you could have a VR Grand Theft Auto, which I know there probably is. At this point. I believe the movie was called Grand Theft Anal, and it came out <laughs> sometime from, uh, uh, what is that, San Fernando Valley in the <laughs> mid-2000s. Um, but yeah, he is a really just kind of like lazy and disgusting person as far as artistically. Yeah, that was the thing, because like, you could look at another – so here, there's like a list of like airport authors, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and when I say that, I mean, it should be obvious, but what I'm trying to say is like authors whose work you could purchase at the airport. Yeah. There's Michael Crichton, right? Tom Clancy can be forgiven for some things because he actually, he's a right wing shithead and reactionary. And I think he might be dead too now, but like Hunt for the Red October is like really engaging. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing, you know, um, clear and present danger, all that kind of stuff, you know. Those Jack Ryan stories or whatever. Yeah. Those were, like, interesting. Like, you, you don't have to believe in the um, the American experiment to... To get, enjoy it just on a very, like, surface level. Right. I mean, none of them hold a candle to my favorite airport author, who is, without a question, Ken Follett, who wrote um, Pillars of the Earth. Oh, okay. And which is, if anyone has, I mean, I recommend reading that. Mm-hmm. And and I haven't read the third the third book in the series, but I did read. Um, uh, what's the second one called? It's from. Well, I should know this. It's from a prayer or whatever. Um, a world without end. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is about the building of a cathedral, a fictional cathedral that's essentially uh, a cathedral in southwestern England. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. That's fascinating stuff. And, of course, he puts, like, a, a real sort of 
you know, soap opera spin on it. Yeah. There's like a, a love story thrown in there. and Quite a few. Yeah. And other like, you know, bad things happening. But it's just a great read. Yeah. And, 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 but you can't really say that about Crichton in terms of like a reread. Like I read Jurassic Park when I was a kid. I enjoyed it. I think I liked the movie more. It's basically the same as the movie, you mm. know. But I remember like just thinking like this guy's ideas are kind of stupid. Yeah. Well, and it's like weird. I mean, the aesthetic experience of reading a book versus watching a movie, I feel like is so vastly different even though it shouldn't be. Like if you're reading something like Jurassic Park, I feel like you should be able to just tune out and just kind of be like, oh, "Okay, yeah, I'm enjoying this and whatever." But there's this feeling that there's, like, a deeper point being made, which with in Michael Crichton's case, maybe there is, and it's just a really bad and stupid point. But watching Jurassic Park, you can just kind of, like, gawk at the dinosaurs and, you know, Jeff Goldblum's, like, really great. I used to do that whenever someone fucked up at school or something. When they, you know, you're hanging out at lunchtime or someone, and someone's like, watch me, you know, sink this, th- this three-pointer, and they mess it up. You just be mm-hmm. like, <laughs> to be rude. Um, but, yeah, no, exactly that. And there are some world-building, like, architect writers that you can forgive some of their, you know, weaknesses. And then that, that jump from, like, the page to movies can sometimes be done really spectacularly like you know um for instance 2001 space odyssey Mm -hmm. or maybe one of the best examples would be exorcist one and three because the screenplays are both written by the author oh okay and i think in the case of exorcist three it's directed by the author huh so you get really deep into this thing and they're genuinely perfect horror films yeah no the exorcist is just you can't get any better I haven't seen the third one in a while. It, it's so good. I'll have to check it out George again. George C. Scott as the... Who's just, that? He's, he played Patton. Oh, okay. And he was also uh, one of the generals in... Um, I can't remember his character's name in uh, Doctor Strangelove. Oh, okay. But he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. He was a great, great actor. I, I remember I was watching an interview with him the other day. And this is how you know it's from a lost era. Because the editor, I think it was like Leslie Stahl or, is that a lady? It was one of the ladies from like 60 Minutes or something. Uh-huh. So she she looks at him and she says, you're playing Clarence Darrow. You had to sublimate your proclivities to play him. You wouldn't have that as an opening no. salvo. Really like, good. Yo, man, you like, re- welcome to Pepsi.challenge.word. <laughs> What's a What's your favorite color, man? What's the most problematic feeling you've ever had when you're eating Taco Bell? <laughs> like And please say Taco Bell because if you don't, we won't get paid. This is probably my most like r- like right-wing position, but like our language really fucking sucks right now. Yeah, I, I mean, we were talking about that um before with like the Dick Cavett yeah. show. Yeah. And just like listening to the cadence of people's conversations on a talk show. Mm-hmm. Back when Dick Cavett was around versus now, like someone going on like Ellen DeGeneres' show or something. It's just like, what went wrong? Like, what happened? I mean, there's a lot of things that went wrong, I guess. But we were, or you were saying more about um, 
just the anatomical kind of changes that have happened. But I think also just the commercial viability that is has been kind of like shown into all of these talk shows now it's not so much about the conversation it's about the entertainment that the conversation brings yeah and it's also about feeling like you're validated in what way well it's like oh i talk like that and my buddies talk like that like you're hanging out with friends Uh there's a parasocial relationship right yeah whereas something there was a time when people were actually kind of like challenged by something like that. Yeah. Be like, I'm not actually friends with these people. And these people actually have like a perspective that's somewhat like, and I'm not saying this in an elitist way. They have people like Marlon Brando up there who's not like, you know, some highfalutin fellow. Yeah. You know, or even when we did have a ruling class, we had a better kind of ruling class. It involved people like Orson Welles in it. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's just like Beto O'Rourke trying to cake flip. <laughs> and be like, check this out, y'all. <laughs> and um, no, I think there's something definitely lost there. I I think there's something, and I'm not attacking like AAVE or something like that, like an actual language thing. I'm talking about like the dumbing of all of these sorts of ways of speaking. Yeah, you know, it's not like if I'm making fun of um, Ryan Seacrest, I'm not making fun of AAVE. I'm making fun of the way he uses y'all or yeah. something like that or whatever. And yeah, He's I a mean, bad example. I was thinking of the other, the Rob Durdick guy or something. What, you know, I don't know. Oh, yeah, totally. And just kind of mass culture and commercial culture in general has just been dumbed down it's so, so stupid. much. It's just stupid. It's like we're not that stupid. Yeah. Like there's something really exciting when the um, – people involved in something like trust their audience to understand it Mm -hmm. and that was what the simpsons was like in its early period yeah and if you trust it right which simpsons made many west world references particularly when like seymour skinner was like chasing bart when he was truant or whatever um you if you trust your audience then like even if they don't get the gag they want to get the gag so they're going to put in the footwork to figure out what the gag's about yeah yeah, when things aren't as spelled out, you have to kind of do the work to figure out why it's funny. Right, instead of just being like, this is the bad person, and the bad person we're all going to boo at now. Boo! Mm-hmm. And this is the good person, the protagonist. And it's just like you can't do that. Yeah. I wonder what um, movies going to be like within, within the next like 10 or 15 years or I mean like big kind of blockbuster movies because so I know there's just going to be a million more Avengers films or whatever all these DC and Marvel movies but I wonder if we're ever going to get back because I feel like culture can only stay so stale for so long we have to breach something new eventually and find some more interesting route to go down um, or maybe we don't I don't know I like to think that we do So I think there's always a time, like in every era, there's going to be a time when mass culture is just completely shitty, is just so vapid that anyone can, or not anyone can enjoy it, but any five-year-old kid you put in front of the screen can enjoy it. But I feel like there has to be some kind of resurgence of good, at least cinema. Well, I'm worried about that because I I feel like as things have been, as the um, organization and the machine has been getting more calibrated. It's been squeezing people out more and more. You know, I mean, wasn't that the exciting thing about Miramax was that it was 
the outsider, the, whatever the allowed outs, outsiders thing was. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, Harvey Weinstein is, like, a monster. I'm sure his brother probably is, too. Like, they're terrible people. But, like, it's weird that, like, their one contribution was, like, this sort of not indie but renaissance in filmmaking that was mm-hmm. outside of the studio machine yeah um and then you know you had everything from like youtube to like vine or whatever but like the best like vine stars and youtube people who made like any sort of like traction like culturally they like the dumb like the most annoying shit yeah you know with the exception of brandon rogers who i love and I think that uh, I'm, that Brandon Rogers is a swear word, but I, I, <laughs> I think if anyone doesn't know who Brandon Rogers is, just look him up. He's great, and he always does great things. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if his politics are horrible; they're probably reactionary and bad. I don't care. He's a demented gay man who makes hilarious stuff and yeah. has been for like ten years. And I love him. And so I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. I don't have an answer to that because I'm not really that good at looking at stuff like that because I'm not a content generating kind of person. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I just, I, I guess I'm not either at all, but, um, I don't know, I guess I'm just more hopeful than, or I, I try to be more hopeful about things like that, because it is really disappointing to look at what's in theaters, and just, there's nothing exciting. No, you're right, and can I amend that real quick? It's not that I'm not a content-generating person, I'm not a popular content yeah, You person. generate a lot of content. Say, I've been making, like, art and music since I was a kid, to like literally pretty bad fanfare but i just want to point out like i'm not a i'm not a tastemaker and you do put some stuff on your social media too yeah it goes That's, out there yeah i get people but once get, again not very popular no well when it gets popular then i people don't want to be friends with me anymore lifelong family members <laughs> and friends get mad at me for um and it's so funny cuz i edit myself so much and i feel like maybe that's the mistake yeah, you just got to be a little more freewheeling. <laughs> Let the chips fall where they may, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I think Brian Mer- uh, Ferry said that in one of uh, the Roxy Music songs. But uh, I, d- I don't know if they have that ability because part of me just always does want to kind of um, not have people mad and, and have some kind of good interaction with people. I think that's a good instinct to have, you know. To not want to upset people in your close personal life. You'd think so, yeah. I mean, I feel like the best enfant terribles of, like, rich families, like, produce all this art. But, like, you wouldn't want to have them in your family. Yeah, totally. You know? And I, I'm not from a wealthy family. And I have um, traditionally pretty feminine values. I'm not a very masculine guy. Uh, I can get browbeaten pretty easily. But I also, part of me, just, it, it, for those of you who know and, like, love and care about me, I am judging you, and I think that most of your ideas are stupid, and I want to make fun of them. <laughs> you just have a very severe sensor in your brain that cuts you off. I do, because I like hanging out with you all. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and I will admit, COVID's kind of putting a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, damper on that. Like, wait, well, I don't really have anything to lose anymore. I can't hang out with these people. Maybe I can talk shit about them being so, like, insufferably, like, PC about everything, but saying the word lame casually. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could tease you about that. Yeah. Like, oh, you get to be the gatekeeper for what's good and what isn't? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to do that. Who cares? I'm about to be uh, 60 years old on Friday, and 60 is a pretty old date. I know. You know? It's kind of crazy. 
Nine more years, baby, and I've made it to the <laughs> Then you're just ending it. <laughs> yeah. Nine years. If I could make 69, David Bowie made that. That's when he died. Did Lemmy, he die Lemmy at died 69? at 69. You're making this all up right now. No, I'm not. Look it up, dude. We have a thing called the internet. Look it up. Mm. And I invite our, our listeners to look it up. Prince didn't make it to 69, but that's because he was a Jehovah's Witness. And that is an actual thing that'll slow And he down. thought it would be a little too cliche to get to 69. Yeah, exactly. Um, to bring it back to Westworld a little bit, I thought it was also funny just thinking about like Westworld and Terminators, these cautionary tales about artificial intelligence and... I mean, essentially, it's about the fear of AI kind of taking over, you know, like the the creation killing the creator. But I just don't really ever see us getting to that point where our AI will even be that functional or will be that dangerous. I, mean, I feel like AI is dangerous in certain ways. I mean, just in the, in the most, like, banal ways, like... um. I saw a tweet where this woman was uh, trying to decipher what her toddler was saying, and it sounded, it was like, Alexa, maybe young. And she's like, what the fuck are you saying? And then she finally figured out the kid was saying, Alexa, play baby shark. Oh. Yeah. And like that to me is scarier than a robot coming into my house and murdering me. Yeah. And it's a much more real thing that we're going to be dealing with more and more in the next like hundred years. But I can't imagine us, like, getting to the point. I feel like when we get to the point where we can make another person that has the ability to think for itself and murder us, we're probably going to be at the end of civilization anyway. I think the uncanny valley is a lot wider than people think. Mm -hmm. And all this deep fake stuff, yeah, it's going to work on the boomers. It's going to work on, like, you know, people who are, like, legitimately mentally ill and have been set off by the last few years of politics mm-hmm. but i don't think that like the tom cruise deep fake that's going around on twitter the moment i saw that i was like this is fake yeah it's like you can just realize wait tom cruise would not be millions and millions and millions of dollars were spent on those stupid fucking star wars movies which one of which was like the last one that i movie that i saw in like a theater before the virus hit and like when they put in the t- cgi it yeah. was so fake. I was like, Ugh. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So that's going to get better and better and better. Everyone's like, oh, we're going to get like saddle. Who cares, really? Honestly, is it any worse than like everyone believing that it's either Russia or China that's pulling the strings on our politics right yeah. now? Because if you're stupid, you think that those things are true. And so it goes back to just stupid, gullible people. So that's the age-old story. Yeah, it's going to be going on regardless. So I guess what I'm getting to is, remember when I was talking about murder-suicides earlier? <laughs> Find a stupid, gullible person who's more powerful than you. And No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that's going to get you in some hot water. There is no hot water. My life it doesn't have any traction. I have nothing really to lose here. I guess that's true. There's only hot water if people really care about what you're who saying. Who gives a shit what I'm saying? <laughs> like, who cares? I'm a, that's one of the great things about not climbing any sort of, like, fucking professional ladders over the few years. It's like, I don't care. Go ahead. Like, take a shot at me. Like, I could tell you stories about myself that would be even more scandalous. Like... Take a shot. Cancel me. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I really don't. It, it, yeah. If you do care, I think you're a simp. You're a fool. You're a simp. 
I mean like a member of the Simpsons, but not like a main, like a, a person who's in the Simpsons, but not like a main character. So, oh, you're, so just not a, the, you're just a background. <laughs> okay. So not the, um, the more modern usage of the word simp. Drooling over pussy. No, yeah. I don't mean that. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't know. What, what else can you say? Like, Oh, ow, you've disagreed with me in the most disingenuous way possible, and now I'm... Some people who have dumb haircuts don't like me anymore. <laughs> Fuck. And where, how will I recover this, you know? Like, when I was 17 years old, I helped put my mother's corpse in a body bag. How will I ever recover psychologically from the damage of somebody whose name I can't remember half the time thinking that I don't have the right <laughs> politics. Go fuck yourself. Anyway, um, lovely time talking with you, Shay. Yeah, I thought this was very um, eye-opening and I've learned a lot about you. I think I, I hope that you've learned a lot about me in this process. I haven't. You're as inscrutable as ever, which actually kind of bothers me, despite yeah. the fact that uh, for our listeners, I'm wearing clothes. I thought that was the what the thing we were going to do well, that I was the protocol whole theme was the, the only thing on is the radio yeah no yeah nothing on but the radio and shay is just flashing hole oh and look at pablo now he's getting into the records your cat is a prick yeah he's been especially prickish today he's got a big old tail too well on that note fuck you pablo and uh i hope you all had a good week kid will be back soon all right bye, bye. She's got, she's got. Oh